Hey, folks, welcome to another edition of the Bavada at Odds podcast. I'm your host, Seth Everett, the head odds maker at BavadaSportsbook.com. He is Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, uh, it was a, a let, let's go backwards first. Uh, before we start to preview what's coming, including Wimbledon and some real serious talk about a hot dog contest, uh, let's talk about the hockey playoffs. The hockey playoffs ended. The uh, Tampa Bay Lightning's reign is over. The Colorado Avalanche won in six games. Two games were blowouts. <laughs> Four games were really good. One game went to overtime. The game six was amazing. The way Colorado boxed in Tampa and couldn't let them get their big guns rolling was incredible. Yeah, kudos to Colorado uh, for finally uh, getting off the snide, uh, knocking off Tampa Bay. Uh, Tampa Bay, heck of a run. You know, that, that, that game five win in Colorado was really something else. Uh, showed a lot of... Uh, that was a gutsy win. My yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people were ready to call, uh, crown Colorado that night. And, I, yeah, uh, you I, know, including myself. I thought Colorado in five. Yeah, that, that, that was something else. And so credit to Tampa, because not only did Colorado win, but Colorado really had to work for it. They were the best team on paper all year, and they did not get a slouch in the Stanley Cup finals. Tampa really did give them everything they could and then some. So uh, a really well-deserved victory for the team that was the favorite at the beginning of the year uh, and really uh, showed why. And uh, looking ahead to next year really quickly, uh, the Avalanche are your four to one favorites. Again, we get those futures odds up super quick, but uh yeah, uh, what a playoff uh, playoff uh, run it was for not just the Avalanche, but really just in general. Again, you know, I know we beleaguer this point all the time or belabor this point all this time, but nobody does it better than the NHL. Oh, it's a it's a it's a fantastic um, presentation. It's it's just a a really really impressive uh, war of attrition, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, it's just it's amazing, and it was it was incredible. Um, and again, you know, it's better when you have a horse in the race, uh, but when you don't, it's okay. Uh, got a lot of feedback on Twitter from the picture. I found an old 1997 era uh, Colorado Avalanche hat. <laughs> that, was, that was the only thing I had that said Avalanche on it. And, uh, I, you know, I spent two years working there. I did their pre and post game uh, in the late 90s. And uh, it's a long time. I, barely anybody from my day is there. The one person that I do remember from there is their general manager, Joe Sackick. Yeah. Joe Sackick was the captain uh, when I was there. And uh, I remember that team like, uh, like it was yesterday. They played in a really crappy arena. That ball arena looks beautiful. <laughs> it's not the building I was in, but uh, I was thrilled. And if someone's going to win the, you know, the last time the avalanche were in the finals, uh, they played my devils. Mm. And so I couldn't root for them. Plus I had just left and I didn't have any, you know, I was, I was like, you know, that's my team, you know, but uh, this time around, you know, I was tired of Tampa, even though I was rooting for Tampa to beat the Rangers. See how it is strange bedfellows in the, in the hockey playoffs. I thought the whole thing was awesome. Yeah. As someone who uh, just needs to be broken year in, year out by what my Maple Leafs do. I, I'm just, I continue to be a fan of really good hockey. I, I like storylines. I like teams yep. that uh, should be good. And I'm also biased. I mean, I, I work on where this confluence of where math and sports intersect like this, right? And to see a front office do what I feel to be, you know, really heavy into the analytics, really smart moves, uh, really sharp, not just relying on, and I don't hate old school hockey or old school uh, mindsets, but 
it is, it is it does kind of feel like a win for the community of analytics and sports when you see a team like the Avalanche do what they do and be rewarded for it. So uh, again, credit to the Avalanche, credit to Tampa Bay for another great run. They're still going to be right there. Uh, we have them as the fourth biggest favorite next year, uh, nine to one to uh, win the Stanley Cup. Uh, <laughs> Leafs are actually second biggest favorite right now, Seth, at eight to one, which I don't know if that's some yeah. Pat Morrow uh, odds making bias uh, leaning in there a little bit. But I, know, uh, I was on the Bovada site earlier. I saw my uh, beloved Devils are a hundred to one. <laughs> yeah, gotta take give ten dollars. Do I take ten dollars and have a dream? Yeah, you gotta gotta get gotta do a couple scrolls before you find the devils on the odds board there. But That's they're there, the folks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, it's listen. There's they're hundred to one. They're not ten thousand to one. They got a shot. It's the NHL. Uh, you know, I, I I wouldn't back them, but uh, it's good to have dreams. I, <laughs> I wouldn't back them either. I can't <laughs> I can't advise it. I can't advise it. Meanwhile, uh. Last Thursday was the circus known as the NBA draft. Um, we know it's not a clear cut uh, LeBron James, Kevin Durant type. Uh, it really was a question who was going to go number one. There was a slew of trades. There were some trades that were being reported by your Shams Sharania that uh, Wojnowski got, you know, debunked. There were all kinds of wild rumors. Uh, it must have been a hell of a night for you. Well, first of all, I'm glad you took the stab at the pronunciations on those names because uh, you know I don't say them too often, and when I do, I inevitably get at least one of them wrong. So, uh, you know what? It was we, we talked about it last week that it was very cool that just uh, even 48 hours out, uh, there wasn't really a consensus favorite. Usually, uh, we kind of have a rough idea who, at the very least, who's going one, and uh, really up until about a half hour hour until uh, the draft uh, tipped off Thursday night, we were all pretty sure that it was going to be Jabari Smith uh, because yep. of the aforementioned uh, watch bomb that w- was released. He said that it is being solidified that Jamari, Jabari Smith would go first, Chet would go second, and that Paolo Banchero would go third. Uh, this saw a really dramatic uh, movement in the odds that we were posting at Bavada at the time. Uh, you know, all, all day we we'd been taking Banchero money. We knew that there was a group of players out there that really liked Banchero at that spot. But it, it's really difficult to go against a Wadge tweet like this, especially when it's uh, it's it's an it's we're trading on information. We're not trading on stats. We're not trading on math. We're not trading on the stuff that makes us comfortable. We're trading on whispers. Uh, and historically, Wadge is pretty, pretty good at being that signal for that stuff. So, you know, at one point, Jabari Smith was as low as even money. He got up to minus a thousand. You could have got Banchero. Uh, if it was a week earlier, you could have got him 10 to one. If it was day of, you could have got him, you know, anywhere from even money to five to one. So these odds were just bouncing all over the place. Uh, and then finally, about 30 minutes beforehand, Wadge put out there that, uh, you know, it actually might be Banchero at number one, which at that point we were like, okay, we're done. White flag, odds off the board. Uh, we'll, we'll just let the draft play out the way it did. Uh, again, a very fun one for betters, a very difficult one for us to uh, be on top of. But, you know, it, it really reinforced that uh, for a one-off event like this, it, we need to put a lot of personnel, especially day of, but really leading up to it because the whisper campaign and how quickly these lines can move um, – We've seen it just with uh, free agency in the past. Uh, when Tom Brady decided to come back, uh, uh, what was it, like a month after announcing his retirement? Uh, in two minutes, two minutes of that tweet that he was coming back, I remember we took 40K in bets. Five years ago or so, if Tom Brady were to announce him like that, 
we'd have a few minutes, maybe five, 10 minutes, and maybe we'd take a couple bets like that. We wouldn't have to react as quickly as we do. But in the social media age, whether it's, you know, NFL free agency trades or the NBA draft last Thursday, uh, it really continues to be hammered home just how much on the pulse we have to be in order to protect ourselves. So we, we actually did a pretty good job. I saw some horror stories from other books about how the, how Banchero coming first, uh, going first, sorry, worked out for them. Uh, we were lucky to actually uh, scrape a few, uh, a few bucks for the good guys. <laughs> if you think the book is the good guys and I, you know, saying that I got to imagine most people listening wouldn't agree with that, but oh, uh, well. Well, look, you know, the bottom line, <laughs> you know, when it, when it comes to all of this, um, the interest has never been higher. And then, you know, just the other day uh, that we, we saw the, this, the Kyrie Irving rumor that he was going to go to the Lakers and he didn't want to be part of the, 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 the Nets anymore. And then Kevin Durant saying he didn't want to be part of the Nets uh, again. And what I said to, to my friend at the time, I said, it's very simple. The NBA is more interesting in the summertime than when they're playing. <laughs> harsh but fair and uh yeah everything i just said about the draft and nfl free agency absolutely comes into play for the nba right now because sure tom brady in the qb position absolutely matters russell wilson going to the broncos absolutely matters but when you have only five people on the court that are playing about 85 percent of your team's minutes maybe more come playoff time uh that one free agency move whether it's a Kyrie whether it's a LeBron in years past we've seen that how the decision that, that was really the first time that I can remember at least in my time doing this where we had such dramatic line movement based on a player uh you know leaving in free agency like that um now this is every summer this is every summer where if we are not ready and we have these futures uh, lines on the board available now yeah the nets right now are 7 to 1 uh, if Kyrie and Durant, uh, if at least one of them is not there, that's going in the other direction. So that's kind of like a hedge for us. If they both stay, um, the Nets will drop below seven to one. So you can kind of dabble into that free agency market right now in those futures odds by, uh, you know, just trying, you're, you're not betting performance right now. You're betting, you know, again, these rumors and uh, they can be pretty valuable this time of year. You can find, uh, you know, if they go to any one of these teams and you think they're going to, well, those lines are absolutely going to drop. So uh, there's some good opportunities out there. And if you think you can beat us on the Shams or the Wadge update when they inevitably come in, then, you know, so be it. Uh, you know, if you're lucky, you'll get them at two or three o'clock in the morning where someone a little bit more junior on our team will be responsible for watching those odds. But uh, those opportunities are still out there. And it's, it's something that, again, we're getting better at, but we've had summers where the, these free agency changes have, we've woken up the next day with six figure positions. Seth, it's, it's pretty tough to keep on top of. It's pretty amazing. All right. Now let's uh, start to look at what's upcoming uh, Wimbledon and the French open. If was any indication uh, tennis is as uh, alive and well, um, you know, early matches are, are underway. Um, there hasn't been too many, uh, situations. Emma Raducanu is there, uh, Rafael Nadal defends, you know, his French open, um, Naomi Osaka is not there near, neither is, uh, Daniil Medvedev, uh, but Serena Williams is there. So I think the first week of Wimbledon is going to be about who's in and who's out. And then we'll get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, traditionally, you don't see uh, many upsets in the first week of a major. It's uh, pretty significant if that is the case. It, it, these are top-heavy tournaments, and especially on the men's side, when you have a major tournament and they play the best three out of five, whereas every other uh, 
series is uh, two out of three. It really does protect them in the way that it is very difficult to win three sets against Rafa Nadal, the French Open. It's very difficult to beat, uh, uh, to win three sets against Djokovic on any surface. So uh, it does protect, uh, especially on the men's side, uh, any any kind of upsets early on in the tournament. So I, I would say what is probably the most compelling storyline as Wimbledon starts is the the health, the fitness, and the quality of Serena Williams. Um, she ended up going off the board at 18 to 1 with us at Bavada. And uh, really no surprise here that she would be favored, uh, not not favored, but uh, bet into more often than any other player on the board, just because people love that story. If you're a casual uh, U.S. women's tennis fan, uh, she's kind of the biggest name on the board, really, in terms of who's available, because like you said, uh, Naomi Osaka is not competing. Um, looking at who actually really is in contention, you know, Iga Swiatek is right there. She went off at plus 150, which is massive favorite odds for yeah. the women's side. Um, and on the men's side, uh, it's, it's Djokovic at minus 135. Nadal went off at seven to one and then pretty wide open up there. Um, it's, I don't know. This is one of my favorite tournaments. Like I've said before, uh, I got to go to Wimbledon once and actually, you know, walk on the grass there and see some of the matches. Uh, that was, uh, gosh, that was seven years ago. Holy smokes. That was a long time ago, but, uh, it's really just, it's a beautiful part of the summer. It's the back and forth is great. The crowds are great. Uh, and the betting action continues to be nuts on this kind of stuff. So I think it'll be good for us to see Serena at least uh, get through week one of this tournament, have a bit of a run that will get more interest on the women's side of things. On the men's side, it really doesn't matter. that It's so top-heavy with talent, and the quality of play is going to be so strong that uh, we're excited to see uh, you know, who, who, may, who maybe makes some surprises, but... Uh, whether it will be uh, you know, Djokovic, Djokovic returning to form, Nadal getting on a bit of a runner, maybe even the Canadian, uh, Felix, 14-1 uh, to 1 right now. It, super wide open tournament, uh, really exciting times. Uh, again, one of my favorite sporting events. Yeah, it's a, it's a great sporting event. It's probably one of the few uh, sporting events that in the Premier League uh, that I want to see in person. You know what I mean? Um, I made Eaton mess. Um, which is a, a classic Wimbledon dessert uh, two years ago while I was watching the tournament and uh, do that a little bit of champagne. Eh, it's, 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 if you can't be at Wimbledon, it's a nice way to make it uh, yourself, <laughs> make it your own and enjoy it on TV. But uh, I, I remember, I remember when I went to Wimbledon, boy, did I feel out of place. I, I put on khakis, I put on a nice collared shirt and shoes and I went by one tent and they were top hats and monocles and walking canes. And I was just like, yeah, no, maybe Pat Morrow doesn't belong here. Maybe just not yet, but uh, a very cool thing to see if you ever get the chance. Oh, there's a, no, no secret about that. All right. Um, and before we go, I don't know if you're hungry, uh, but I wanted to talk about, uh, <laughs> you know, because I'm such a proud American these days. Uh, the July 4th holiday is coming up before we release our next podcast. And that means the Nathan's hot dog eating contest in uh, Coney Island, New York is uh, taking place. Uh, I've said on this podcast with you before, um, I used to know a judge of this thing. That's the closest I've ever gotten <laughs> to this event. I don't understand how there is a judge. I guess it's just somebody to verify that you actually eat them and not like shove them under the table. Um, Nonetheless, uh, this is a big deal, and it's a big deal for Bavada. 
Well, hey, uh, <laughs> in normal years, it might be more impressive to say, you know, a Supreme Court justice instead of a Nathan's hot dog judge. But uh, maybe we flipped it a little bit this year. Um, wow. Yeah. Looking at the odds right now, uh, Joey Chestnut uh, almost always goes off as a favorite. And I think uh, that was a cartoon character. <laughs> I mean, uh, depending on how you feel about the event, uh, you know, it is a bit of a caricature. But um, yeah, I, I mean, Chestnut goes off as a big favorite every year, Pavada, and there's no real difference here. He is uh, minus 2,500 this year. Generally speaking, Seth, where we'll see uh, the most amount of betting on this event is on the over under of the amount of hot dogs. And uh, I see this on Twitter every year, guys that call themselves the Nathan's Hot Dog Syndicate. And they are, they are spreading disinformation out there, trying to get the line oh to move boy. in the other direction. And then day of, they will smash the side. So, uh, yeah, we, we actually have to look out for sharp hot dog money. Um, as it currently stands, though, uh, as of this recording, uh, Joey uh, Chestnut, his over-under for hot dogs, 74 and a half. Seven, do you think you've had 74 uh, over-under 74 and a half hot dogs in your lifetime, Seth? No. Uh, I, I'm not going to say it. Like, I like hot dogs, but I don't I'm think I've had fan. one. I'm not a They're fine. I mean, I'll eat them, but they, yeah. that's never the option. Mm-hmm. If there's any other option, I go for the other option. Well, and you know what? At this point in my life, if I want to, you know something on a bun like that, I generally prefer sausage over hot dog as well. Like a you know a good good beef sausage or you know spicy Italian something like that. But the generic hot dogs that these guys are choking back. Uh, yeah, that, that was fine when I was a kid, but I don't know. I, I don't mean to be snooty when it comes to hot dogs, but I, I do uh, put myself on a slightly higher pedestal than that. But, but whether it's hot dogs or sausages or uh, anything else that's long and on a bun like that, I don't think I've ever consumed over 74 and a half uh, in my time on this uh, beautiful planet of ours. But uh, Joey Chestnut's going to try and do it uh, this upcoming Monday, and uh, God bless him for it. We will be watching. We will have the, all the odds available on him. The various different competitors, if you like the upsets, uh, the next biggest favorite is uh, Jeffrey Esper at 7-1. to one. Uh, We have over-unders on all these competitors. So, uh, you know, even if you don't like the outright, there's a million different ways to watch this. Um, listen, for some people, it's the Stanley Cup Finals. For some people, it's the Kentucky Derby. For some betters at Bavada, it's the Nathan's Famous International Hot Dog Eating Contest. And if that's your thing, uh, we've, got the, we've got the betting that cuts the mustard just for you. We've got the thing that cuts the mustard. We've got the betting that cuts the mustard. That I don't know. Did, did I did I say a thing? That cuts the mustard. Get it? No pun intended. All right. That'll do it for the Bavada at Odds podcast. We can tell you this. Uh, eat a hot dog. Listen to the podcast. Tell us what you think. And maybe, maybe we'll do a hamburger eating contest or a Chinese food eating contest. Those I can win. I don't relish how cringy that pun came across. Oh, boy. Oh, boy.